But yeah, see, yeah. this is what is interesting about um, about guys like us, and about just guys like us in general, is that yeah. you know the life experience that you receive. Because you didn't go to school, did you? You didn't go to like where? Where did you go? High school, basically, and then I, I got. That's a grade eleven, and I, I fucking dropped out because I had to go get a job to pay rent because I moved out when I was fifteen. Yeah, we're the same. So when I was, well, I, I left home at fifteen, so I had to, I had to pay rent, and I had, I had bills like, mm. I had a, a alcohol habit uh, and a drug habit, yeah. and I had to eat, and I didn't have any parents, and so I went out on my own and got in, I was washing dishes then at fifteen, get out of the house. Yeah, and see, it's like things like that that happen to people. A lot of people actually sit back and say, like, "Fuck, oh man, I feel bad for you. Oh, that must have been tough in those." But in reality, when you start to hit 40, you start to see the value of making decisions like that in your life, right? What, what did you see from all that shit that you went through as a kid? Like, what were the lessons that you learned that now are invaluable to you? <sighs> Be careful who you trust. Um, um, yeah, I'm treat people well, man, because you never know. Like I've been on some some like this is kind of off topic a little bit, but I've been on some sets where you look at the guy that uh, you look like who's this homeless guy walking around here? Well, if you find out later in the day, that's the fucking director. But this yeah. guy's dressed like uh, disheveled, he, and he's like the boss. You know what I mean? Like there's uh, don't you can't always judge a book by the cover. And uh, I don't know. I th- I just always try to treat people everybody on like a starting at zero. And be nice to everybody, and, and then if you you know if you're good to me, I'll be good to you, and if you're bad to me, I'll be bad to you, kind of idea. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Or I'll just like won't have anything to do with you, walk away. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Instead of uh, standing to fight every, you know, you're gonna decide which hill to, to die on. Like, do I do you want to die on this hill and fight for your life for for a shopping cart or a parking spot, or do you want to? Or do you want? <laughs> is it better left alone and let's just move? the next fucking uh, let's go get some carrots right yeah if you had to go over would you go back to school if you had to be like now that you're older and you look back would you have taken a chance and done it um like if you could well knowing knowing of the information that we have access to now Mm -hmm. um i wouldn't have gone to school at all i would just be homeschooled and studied what i wanted to learn now because we have a lot of information available to us now Mm -hmm. i wouldn't have fucked with school at all Oh, except for the social aspect of it. Um, honestly, other than calculating some math, I didn't learn a lot in school. And my mother was an English teacher. And so back before the internet, if you couldn't spell a word, it was like, look it up in the dictionary. Yeah. So I would look it up in the dictionary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm the same as you. Like I, now that I'm older, I'm like, there's no chance in going to school for me. Like I would, I'm glad that I dropped out. Yeah. Like I'm glad dude, because you, you look at just how the world has kind of changed from back when we were kids and back when we were kids, it was like, Oh, if you don't have a school education, you're fucked. Basically you're done. Right. And now yeah. you look at yeah, it. It's like, yeah. you'll be you nothing. Can, you're, yeah. You're done. You're going to be yeah. like, you can't even say that to a kid nowadays. No. Well, especially when you see gamers that, you know, 10 year old gamers that are making millions of dollars yeah. a year unwrapping toys or whatever, doing like, unveils and making large dollars. Like, I don't know. It seems odd. So, like you don't need 
it's cool. It's good to be educated. It's great to know a lot of facts, and, and uh, absolutely, it's. I don't think it's a bad, bad thing, but I, but it, the the whole system of it, I think, is a business more than it is about educating people. And it's uh, to me, I I wouldn't uh, spend my money there. I would spend it on like home tutoring or something like. Yeah. Or uh, the like dream, self, like a personal coach. Or like spending money on dreams of becoming a professional wrestler. <laughs> right? Yeah, I spent, yeah. I, I was very, very dedicated, like religion, man. I was, yeah, I was very religiously dedicated to that as a youth, you know, how, through how my old, career. How old were you when you first said, like, you know, I'm going to become a professional wrestler in my life? What age were you? I, I found out my. Yeah, I thought that my dad was a, a pro wrestler when I was five. He was watching Stampede Wrestling when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and I started watching it with him. And uh, I asked him, who are you cheering for? And he's like, doesn't, I'm not. It doesn't matter. And I'm like, who do you want to win? He's like, doesn't matter. I looked at the TV, and I look at him, and I look at the TV, and it's, it's him on TV <laughs> wrestling. And so I was like tripping balls. So literally I decided at five years old that I was going to be a pro wrestler. Oh, that's wicked. So it was dad in the father's footsteps. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, uh, yeah, five. In, in 19, I was born in 72, so 77. Um, in 1977, I, I didn't have a lot of uh, introspect mm. pro wrestling <laughs> world other than my dad was doing it on TV. I thought that was a pretty cool thing. And, uh, and honestly, I, I studied it religiously from that time pretty well until I guess I'm still kind of on it in a way. As much as I used to be, but hmm. yeah, yeah well, then, uh, <laughs> well, this is why I wanted to have this uh, Zoom talk with you because you know you've always been a really interesting guy. Like you've always uh, been one of those guys that's uh, you're a dreamer, right? And this podcast is a hundred percent all yeah, about dreamers, yeah. right? And and it's not like right, pipe right. dreamers. They could call all of us pipe dreamers, right? <laughs> Definitely yeah, call me a pipe dreamer, but you know, we're dreamers and this is kind of a unique personality trait. A lot of people don't understand uh, what it means to actually be a dreamer, no. to, like chase a dream, right? Yeah. It's like, I, I've left so much money on the table on so many jobs and contracts and this and that um, from the, even from the dark side and walked away from so much stuff like uh, financially, um, you know, pretty good gain and, and walked away because of um, my moral compass and, and my uh, of how things and, uh, and just not agreeing with, with what, uh, what the way people are doing things. And so I've walked away from a lot of financial gain in my time to pursue myself and to stay loyal and true to myself and my own, uh, to my own gut or to, you know, to my own instinct. Uh, just to do what I think was right for me at the time, you know, does that make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense. Yeah. And you've like, and you're similar to me where you've bounced through a bunch of different things in life. You know, uh, when, when I mean that is that you, you've done wrestling, you've done acting, you've done stunts, right? What else? What am I missing? Farming? Um, I landscape company, um, so I used to build a lot of like waterfalls, water features, or whatever, Indeed. which is really I really actually still enjoy doing it. I, I think they're cool as fuck. They're really tranquil, and it, to me, it's all I love one of a kinds. Mm. Making pieces of 
one-of-a-kind pieces of art. And uh, I haven't really done any of that in landscaping lately. I'm kind of on to building like epoxy art. Um, I'm in the middle of an epoxy table now. So I'm kind of going into that direction. Oh, wow. So you got Honestly, I'm on the list for... Uh, sorry? No, go ahead, go ahead. I, I'm, uh, I'm on the list for... Uh, I'm, on, I'm on compensation right now because I, I blew up my knee at work. So basically, this COVID was... I, was, I wrecked my knee at work, and so I've been sitting all this, basically this all year, because I'm walking is pretty painful. And, uh, and the, so obviously my stunts are out, wrestling's out. Oh, I'm too old to wrestle. There's um, a lot of things, like I was a very physical guy, and that was, uh, I was, you know, I was a, you know, I was an Olympic athlete, but I was a pretty top-level athlete in my day. And to have to be kind of um, that, and I've been writing a book, and so I'm, I'm about 45,000 words in now, so I'm getting close okay. to the end of it, I guess. So it's this, like, a, kind of, I don't know if you call it a coffee table book, but it's a bunch of stories of, uh, about all the crazy nonsense that, I, that I've lived through, and uh, some of it's, most of it's, uh, or not most of it, some are like, I, I like to be happy and, and make jokes, and it kind of, it's easier to go through the pain that way, and uh, some of it's some serious heavy so i'm just like working through that and working on my art is kind of where i'm at right now that's really cool do you think the um you know back when we were growing up the artist and the artist brain and the artist kind of lifestyle really wasn't anything you know what i mean like if you were i don't know if you remember like i was born 75 you were 72 so we're about the same yeah. age and yeah. you know growing up they didn't really tell us that artistic brains and artistic you know thinking was going to be something you know what i mean it was kind of weird it was it was weird growing up with a passion kind of because yeah. did your yeah. did your parents or your dad or anybody uh, you know older than you try to you know not make you so interested in being a dreamer and try to set you on like a job or a career thinking you know did you have a lot of negative feedback growing up yeah, pretty much. Uh, from a mother, pretty much nothing but negative feedback. It was she was pretty nasty. Uh, it was like you know you're stupid and ugly and you're a geek and and you're never gonna amount to anything and you're a piece of shit kind of thing for my mother. Yeah. And uh, so so you know fuck her. <laughs> yeah. And and for my daddy, just like my parents, they broke up when I was five, and I was just grew up by myself. I I lived really a like a lonely kid. Um, and made that every mistake man because I had no guidance, which makes me a pretty cool fucker now because I made every fucking mistake already. So <laughs> I have a lot of wisdom now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So no, it was I had uh, um, my dad was always nice and good to me. Uh, other than you know when I told him he was a wrestler as well, so I'm a second generation pro wrestler. And so when I told him I wanted to wrestle, he's like, no, you don't. And he was very discouraged me tons. Mm. Well, I probably just drove him crazy, you know, like Bart Simpson. Can we go to Splash Mountain? Can we go to Splash Mountain? Can I be a wrestler? So finally he broke down and, and you know, gave me his, uh, the phone number for Keith Hart. And I called Keith Hart and, and eventually worked my way into uh, to the dungeon at Stu Hart's house. So um, I, was, I was basically... Almost everything that I wanted to do uh, was met with a negative response from my parents. 
if that makes sense. Yeah. No, it does. I mean, you know, that's the thing. Like even today, parents still do it with their kids. Like we were just talking before the podcast about uh, e-games, you know, and these kids becoming video game athletes, right? And us growing up, we would have never thought that this was going to be a job. This was a dream job growing up. Played, being paid to play video games, like that was amazing back yeah, then. Right? It wasn't a thing when we were a kid, yeah. So parents don't really even have that talk nowadays, you know, really, because they, you know, there's really no, there's no, uh, you know, you can't prove that your kid is ne- not going to be successful doing this. You know what I mean? When, there's a lot less boundaries now. What's that? Less boundaries now. Yeah, it is kind of. It's all, all wide open for us, right? If you would have been a kid now, what would you be doing? You're a kid in today's today's world. Um, probably MMA. Oh yeah, because uh, my my dad was a footballer and then turned wrestler, but I was always a uh, pretty aggressive. Like even I played hockey as a kid. And but I was like an aggressive defenseman even then, like and uh, um, but I was always into wrestling and, and physical, physical person. Mm. Um, and I don't know if that was just I don't know exactly why, but but I was uh, I was a very like a uh, pretty aggressive just naturally, and and uh, I think that MMA, if I was a kid, is probably you know where I would go now as compared to like boxing or football where the concussions are so incredibly severe, where it seems MMA is actually somewhat safe for concussions. Like you're getting brutalized, but you're not actually taking a lot of head shots that are, mm-hmm. you know, the ref will stop the fight before mm-hmm. um, you're getting labeled. See like the, some of the football players, man, you see Jesus Christ, man, these guys are getting hit. And these are big men. These are full. They like getting hit by a truck, bro. Yeah. Like you're getting knocked the fuck around. So, yeah. um, I, I probably MMA. That's cool. Who is uh, who is your when you were growing up? Who is your wrestling influence besides dad? Who you who were the, who were your wrestlers? Um, Dynamite Kid's my number one. Dynamite Kid. Um, so I would say uh, Dynamite Kid, and and then after that I would say probably uh, Bret Hart. Bret Hart. And my coach is Leo Burke, which is one of the guys that trained Bret Hart. Oh, nice. And uh, so he's kind of like my surrogate dad. Yeah. Um, we still chat. And, uh, yeah, was, although, yeah, the British Bulldogs, uh, the Hart Foundation, a lot of the Calgary guys, because I was localized TV for me. I grew up in Red Deer in Calgary. I grew up in Alberta. I'm an Alberta boy. Mm. So that was like the – that was a lot of what I was exposed to when I was young. And even the rest of the style as I became a pro was, was more emulating Dynamite Kid than, than anyone else. I was I mean, going to like yeah, RVD say, there. It's a Bret Hart, but yeah. Yeah, I was going to say your style is like Dynamite Kid. Like you could see a lot of Davy Boy. Yeah, I, I take that as a compliment if you could see that. Yeah. Big yeah. time. Well, no, big time. That's the first time I saw you was, uh, and we didn't meet, but I saw you on the wrestling match. It was an ECW? Uh, could be, yeah, yeah. It was back, it was back in the back day. a couple of shows with that. You did the shows in Port Coquitlam, I remember. It was like a Port Coquitlam show or something, right? This was a long... Coquitlam or a Surrey? Yeah, maybe, yeah. Surrey. Oh, it might have been Surrey, yeah. It was like 10 years, man, like 10, 11 years ago. We never really knew each other, but that's when I... a long time since I had a match, yeah. Yeah, and then I remember when I met you on the set on that movie with um, Mandeep. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
like, dude, I know you from somewhere. And you're like, you're a wrestler. I'm like, oh, yes. Dude, you're always, you're, you've always been a really memorable guy. And I'm sure that, you know, having that ability to be memorable has gotten you a lot of really good opportunities. I imagine, yeah. I was, I was, I was a pretty, I was, I've always had a little bit of charisma behind me. So I'm like, I like to, one of my favorite things is making strangers laugh and smile. If I can, I'm an entertainer at heart. If I can entertain people, I'm in my, I mean, I don't need to be paid your laughter and your smiles or my payment. And, and uh, um, you know, obviously I want millions of dollars, but, but if I can get you laugh and smile, then I'm, then I'm happy. You know, you know what I mean? I'm satisfied with that. And I do it to strangers in the, in the, in the line at the store like every day. And so it's just like, it's cool to make people, you know, forget about whatever for the moment and, and have a laugh. You know? Yeah. Like I, I got a laugh at that partners uh, thing. The partners one. They're just, yeah. Yeah. They're just partners. Yeah. Just partners. Pretty good. I know two, I knew uh, the one guy on there, Asian guy, uh, Tam, no Jack. Oh, I can't remember his name. I've met him on set before. He's a stunt man. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, stunt a lot man. of stunties in there. Yeah. What happened with that series? Was that uh, 2015, 2016? Yeah, you know, it's, it was written, um, and then it, it just it didn't come to fruition, and my wife uh, was uh, ill with, uh, she was cancer, she was actually terminal. And so I basically I just dropped everything mm -hmm. and had to take care of life. And so at that time it was, it was just, I had too much on my mind mentally to proceed with it. I still have the script, it hasn't, hasn't been produced. It hasn't been developed yet. It certainly could be, and it certainly should be because I think it was, you know, it's uh, it was a pretty good script. We had an all-star cast, so um, it's something that'll it'll happen in the future, I'm sure. It's, it's just tough to get shit done right now with COVID going on. It's like there's a lot of restrictions. I suppose it could happen uh, if I had an investor, investor, investor. <laughs> but this <laughs> then, is uh, then actually we could produce this for sure. But this is kind of the thing that people don't understand about the industry and just in about, you know, just being this type of person that you are and that I am is that obstacles are a plenty in this. Like, you know, especially if you're, you know, trying to do movie business, you know, any kind of film stuff, right? Like there's so many obstacles and one of them seems to be life, you know? You know, how do you get around that stuff? Like, if you were giving someone some advice that, were, that was trying to get into the industry or whatever, and, it, you know, and they're always, you know, having things happen because this is just what life is like. Well, what kind of advice can you give somebody? Man, it's tough. It's like, cause I, I was very fortunate, and I still am. And I have a lot of friends in, in, uh, from all different walks of life, and I can call a favor, and like, hypothetically, my friend owns a restaurant on Main Street. It's called Shay's Lounge. It's a beautiful place, and we did Velasquez book signings there. We've done them twice. I call in a favor. Hey, boss, can I can I get the afternoon? Can I get two hours uh, of the one section? You know, we need fifty people. No problem. Blocks it off, and we do a book signing there. On his end, you know, all these people are coming to eat and drink, so he it's, it's beneficial for him. It's beneficial for us. So I always try to find a win-win situation. Mm -hmm. So if you can offer somebody something that doesn't cost you anything. And so you both benefit from the situation. I think to me, that's the best way to go about it. Um, easier said than done most times, but those are the ones that I find work best. And it's like, yeah, I, I've called in favors, you know, from other people, you know, whether it's, whether it's a camera guy or a, 
stunt guy or whatever mm-hmm. and is calling favors from this and that. But then you owe a favor in my mind. I, I don't want to do anything free and I don't want to expect anyone to do anything mm-hmm. free for me. Do me a favor. I'll return the favor if you need something done. You know? And yeah. so um, that's kind of the way I went about it. I don't know if I could advise anyone else on that, but uh, um, work your ass off, man. It's like, yeah, yeah the work, the working and the sacrifice is yeah. like the, it, it seems the sacrifice. You can oh, sorry. Your you got to buy your own. You have to have stuff. You got to have a truck. You got to have a. You, mm. That's the same thing. A director, you need, you know, stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. It seems like uh, obstacles are the one thing that people are having a problem with nowadays, right? And I know that COVID's kind of made shit really hard to deal with. There's been more obstacles probably now than ever. Are you, are you still doing auditioning and all that stuff, or? The, everything I've done lately has been um, um, self tapes. Yeah. I did a I did a self tape for a commercial when I was still in Vancouver, and got the callback. So yeah, I had to go into the studio for the callback, oh, and wow. um, but and then the other editions have been self tape. So from what I hear from my friend King, he's kind of more in the loop than I am. King Lao, he's uh, he said everything is almost self tape now until yeah. they until they narrow it down. But then there's a lot more competition now because anyone can do a self tape ship ship then, right? Yeah. Whereas auditions, there's only so many so much time in a day and they lot for so many people and then they they cherry pick the guys that are that they know or they, they think is going to do a good job whereas now anyone can shoot in self-tape right yeah yeah i've done so many self-tapes in the past three weeks it's just ridiculous like it's i i hate them because it's a lot of effort to do yeah. these self-tapes man it's not easy right like i think it's harder now at this time trying to get roles and trying to get booked than ever. It used to be before you could show up and you would probably be really good at this. You just show up and charm the pants off the casting. You know what I mean? And then they're like, Oh yeah, we like this guy. Yeah. Let's get him in. Right. But now, you know, you don't have that opportunity to schmooze them. Yeah. Which was the X factor. People don't realize this. They're like, Oh, you know, you had to have that character. And what people don't understand about even the movie industry or film is that they almost want to like you more so than how good of an actor you are. They want to make sure that they can, they are, they're going to, you're going to get along with people. Right. And that's kind of what the self tape has taken away. It's taken away. that. Yeah. It's similar, similar to wrestling in the sense that in wrestling to be a good wrestler, you not only have to be adored by the fans or hated, um, you have to be in good shape. You have to have a tan. You have to have the move set. You have to get along with the boys in the back or you get ostracized. And you have to get along with the office. You have to get along with all these people. And you have to have that perfect storm to make it actually viable and make it work for you. And even then, it's like a, an odd chance. The same thing with acting is like, set and you're a fucking idiot, then who's going to want you to be on set? Nobody wants to have to, the AD doesn't want to have to come and deal with you. Nobody wants extra work to deal with an idiot. They want you to be personable and charming and, and positive and all the good things that a person should be, especially if you're privileged to be on set. Um, and, and then plus also not call it in, be, be a good actor or be a good stunt or whatever it is you're doing on set. Right? Do you take classes or do you do any kind of training now or are you just relying on things that you've, you've known forever? 
Um, at first, I didn't take any classes. I kind of got in and just went six one two hundred you know i wasn't i wasn't getting cast for my acting ability i was getting cast for like like one liners or or, or to my look or stuff i did take acting classes uh as andrew mccoy 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 in vancouver he was quite good. He was he kind of reminded me of uh, a gay Guilford Godfrey. Uh, he was hilarious, and uh, he was he was a good uh, he was a good coach. Yeah, um, and I haven't taken a lot of acting classes. However, um, I consider pro wrestling to be live theater, and so I have you know a couple hundred matches under my belt. Uh, so of live performances uh, of live theater. So I think I have somewhat have an idea of what's expected. However, obviously it's very different than, than uh, being on set. Mm. But um, for, I don't know. For me, it's like there's a ton to learn about acting. And, and I've enjoyed my time on screen. If I, if I don't get on again, that's fine. But if I do, that's great too. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm just trying to learn more about uh, the whole process. So we're learning about producing and directing and camera mm. angles and lighting and, and uh, all that sort of thing. Is, uh, is kind of where, where my interest is lying more now. It's like, I love being on camera. I love being in the spotlight, uh, you know. Um, however, if I'm not, I'm okay with that too. Yeah, I think that's a, nat- that's a progression. It comes with maturity, obviously, right? And it comes with like, you know, experience. Like, you think that comes from a desire to yeah. like just be better like yourself, you know what I mean? Are you going behind the line because you feel like you can do more with what you have? Or is it just like something that you get kind of forced into because the acting thing wears out. I think it's a bit of both, honestly. Uh, it's kind of a natural progression as you age, and you, you know you're you're less physically able to do, especially stunt work. Mm. Um, and as an actor, it's like girls only stay hot until a certain age, let's say, and then you're not going to be cast in that girl role when you're past forty. When you're they're going to cast girls that are 22 and they're not going to cast girls that are 42. Mm-hmm. And it's just a natural progression. You're, and we're all going to, we're all aging. And, uh, and, and artistically, it's, everyone's a little bit different. So if you want to stay in it and do something else, um, you, most people, not all, but unless you're, you, you happen to hit me or a star, most people make more money behind the camera than they do in front eventually. Right. Mm. So, um, I think it's for me. It's it's. Uh, I I still like to be in front of the camera, uh, but I'm. Uh, I also really like seeing a story come together, especially if it's something I've written or, or I'm helping produce and helping the whole idea develop. It's like uh, training a wrestler now and watching him go and have a match and come back and, and then critiquing and, and uh, saying this is great or this was a shit or whatever. Yeah. Um, is it's kind of like almost into a coaching role more than a uh, yeah, yeah it's like an adaptation for me yeah it seems like it's a prog- a natural progression like you even see the big stars you know it's almost yeah. like they go through all these yeah. these successes and as celebrity and then they're like meh I don't want to act man I want to make movies so I always wondered if that's like just the the artistic passion that changes or is that like the money factor you know do they see well i can I only make this like much said, it's, maturity. Can, it's maturity i eh? think it's a, 
I think so because it's a lot of these people have made a shitload of money and they don't need to work at all. And it, but they go back and they direct, they produce or they coach or whatever. Mm. And they don't need to do anything. They could sit at home and drink wine all day and, and everything would be great. Um, they wouldn't have to worry about paying their bills, but they go back because it's something, uh, it's something that it's like a passion, right? So, and it's a passion to evolve and to learn. There's so much to learn about film. You, you, you know, you think you know it all when you get in there and you're an extra. And then you realize, I don't know fucking anything. <laughs> so it's, uh, uh, yeah, it's, uh, to me it's a progression. It's a total progression. I think. Remember the days of being a background actor? Like how miserable was that, dude? Those are some bad days. <laughs> hey, people, I have, I have friends. There was, I've had a couple cool ones. Oh, you have? Which ones? Like that, I think the last background thing I, I took was, they said, uh, um, it's a scene with John Travolta, so do you want to take this background spot? I'm like, fuck. I'm like, am I going to be on camera with John Travolta? They're like, yes. Specifically, it says this, da 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 yeah, the biker bar or whatever. So I agreed to it to do background. Well, the scene goes fine, da-da-da. And then um, and when he's with the cut and the, everybody's walking off the set, the scene's that wrapped, and, uh, and he's walking away. So I'm like, hey, John. And he's like, stops. He's like, yeah. I'm like, can I get an autograph? Or, pardon me, can I get a picture? And he's like, yeah. So I give Buddy my phone, and, and I go to get a picture. Well, if John Travolta doesn't fucking cut my ass, grab my ass. Oh, and so he's holding, he's hanging on to my ass, and I'm just like shocked. And I'm like, I was going to put my thumb up, but it's only like, and like Orange <laughs> Cassidy, a little bit up. It was like, <laughs> he's hanging on to my fucking ass, bro. And I was like, I was a little bit flattered and, and 90% shocked. I was like, what the fuck? And uh, I didn't know what to do. And then uh, that was it. He walked away. And that was the end. Oh, of the my God. You got goosed by Vinny. But yeah, so. Yeah, he got that fucker. You know what? I think that's he kind of funny. He should have bought me dinner at least. Well, yeah, or a massage, right? Maybe you get a massage. He likes those. <laughs> but this is, this is kind of weird, though. <laughs> Take, like, it easy. The, Take it easy. Take it easy. Well, when you say that, though, it's kind of interesting because, you know, you look at stuff like what Terry Crews went through, what he said uh, he went through with that director. You know what I mean? There's obviously this power, a hierarchy, and this levels in Hollywood and the industry, right? And people get away with a lot of stuff in Hollywood. Do you think that that's all kind of coming to an end now? Because it seems like now that Hollywood's burning, that uh, people are, you know, starting to take note of all this kind of weird behavior, dude, in Hollywood. This is a lot of weird shit. Yeah, it's... They're slowly, they're chipping away at the foundation of the fucking creepiness, yeah. Do you and see then, a lot you, know, of you see these pedophile rings are getting busted, and I think it's going to oh. keep coming, and they're going to keep knocking them down. I hope, I fucking hope they keep knocking all that shit down the nonsense, because it's fucked up, man. Is it really that prevalent in the movie business, like that way you know of? I don't know. You don't know, I right? don't know anything about it, honestly. I just know what I've experienced, like, he grabbed my ass. Travolta grabbed my ass. That's all I know. But there's, I think it's like anyone with a lot of money seems to like, they need something more like cocaine's not enough anymore. Fuck it. Getting high with fucking 10 strippers sucking your dick's not enough anymore. You need more. You need more freaky shit to get off in your head. 
and I think people get twisted with a, a lot of money and power and uh, uh, and I think that you know the people they're going off and doing odd things whether it's like uh, so you know there's so the Satanists that will sacrifice people or whatever and yeah. drink blood and all the nonsense um, but I think that the, the child pornography rings, all that shit, the human trafficking is a real thing, man, and it's a big fucking deal. And I think they're slowly chipping away at the armor and getting to none of these, uh, uh, these horrible rings uh, of corruption. You know? yeah. And it, it, people are going to start falling eventually. Well, what I really like, too, is that, you know, that this is all happening. And what it's doing is it's giving some power to the independent filmmakers. It seems now, you know, the, the music industry was kind of the first one to get hit. You know, they would remember all back in the day, the producers would get all the money and the artists would get small percentage after all the fees and stuff were taken. Right. And now it's seeming like, you know, since the mu music industry went through a cleanse and independent records started becoming a thing, it's now moving into the movie yeah. business. Whereas guys like you are going to be able to make films that make it up onto the screen or streaming a lot easier than probably than back in the day, right? Absolutely. A hundred percent. Because, you know, even our phones now are like people make movies on iPhones that actually look decent. Like YouTube is what, 1040. And it doesn't matter if you shoot it in 4k, you're going to see it 1040 P anyway. Mm. So, um, I think that a lot of people, it's totally growing. You look at all, all the different streaming uh, platforms now and, and how people are streaming and making money off of the cameo or TikTok, all that sort of stuff, uh, YouTube, whatever. Um, so it's definitely, it's definitely easier for the independent person now, I think, to get out there. However, I think it's really flooded and there's a lot of crap to, to uh, sift through or whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of really crappy movies, like more so now than there was, let's say, 10 years ago. I, I used to complain 10 years ago how many reruns they were doing in Hollywood, but it seems now there's so many crappy, low-budget, just whatever movies. It almost feels like it's money laundering, these movies yeah. coming out, right? Right. It, maybe it is. You never know. Like, uh, right. who knows? You know, but it's... I, I, Go ahead, buddy. Oh, I was just going to say... Uh, um, not speaking of crappy movies, but of a really good documentary is, is uh, Synopsis, the film that was done on me in pro wrestling. Uh, um, we began sh uh, shooting that in December of 2018. And I think, uh, I just like to check my notes here. Synopsis Independent, Chilliwack Independent Film Festival going on November 20th. Uh, so right away here. And... Nice. Then we hit uh, Calgary Underground Film Festival November 25th to the December 1st. And so we have two more festivals in two years. It's been on the loop for two years. We've won a bunch of awards. And uh, then uh, we'll be able to announce uh, what streaming platforms will be. You'll be able to see it at home. So we should be, I think, if all goes well, late this year, early next year. And I, I'm, I was told not to say much more than that. So. Mm -hmm. Don't worry, no one's watching anyway. Yeah, it's, uh, right. yeah. <laughs> but maybe in the future. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you find like making a documentary is probably an easier path nowadays to get into into the industry? I guess I guess it depends depends on the on your topics and your and what you're doing. You know, I don't know because they used know. to look um, at 
They used to look at uh, documentaries as like, oh, this film school grad is doing a documentary or National Geographic or whatever. There was only a few people. And now it seems, especially after the Tiger King came out, it seems like all these docu-series are now... Right. Some of them are done really well. Some of them are good. Uh, I don't know. It's... it's, um, I like documentaries myself. And... I think it's it's harder to, it's harder to write a script for a film that's good, and then you have to cast the people. You have to make sure the writing's good. You have to make sure the lighting's good. Da da da. Whereas a whereas a documentary is more just factual, and so basically you're just reporting facts that have already occurred. Whereas actually making a, a like a, a film, a different film, then it's it's all it's all um, how do you explain it? What's wrong? It's a lot about the writing, really. Mm. It's, it's yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely set up for an easier fail, but it's also has a better chance of a huge success. So synopsis, like, is, think of like a Quentin Tarantino kind of movie. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, like I mean, it's you know, it seems like even the Quentin Tarantino style stuff is kind of becoming thing of the past man it's really weird where entertainment is going right now yeah I, yeah it's yeah. their own too like who depends what you like right what do you want to we're all consumers uh i'm a consumer horror of of entertainment as well mm-hmm. and uh some people like cartoons some people like uh i have to watch cartman some people want to watch dave letterman some people you know what i mean like say everybody's a little bit different some people want to watch wrestling some people want to watch opera or ballet tennis like you know so it's it's just a, it's kind of on the eye of the beholder and there's so much uh, there's so much information so much stuff to consume but yet apparently they're still crying uh for more content like netflix and, and amazon they're all they're, apparently they're screaming for content oh yeah well, ne- well, so, ne- well netflix opened that major studio down here in vancouver oh did they i didn't know yeah, they got a major studio they're building and it's already built or whatever it is. And so, oh. you know, they're going to be doing more filming in Vancouver, obviously, you know, for, right. for, for yeah, their yeah. own content. So it almost is like, you know, you almost have a better shot now that you've put all these years into the business and, you know, you, and now that they're, they're looking for so much content, you probably have a better chance now of getting booked on something huge, right? You know, yeah, it's like you know, I did that. I did, um, it was a, the Smallville series, the mm-hmm. Superman thing. So I was on that like three times, and the last time I was on it, um, the Superman, like I, I found out later, he was found on a construction site, he was like, like framing walls. Wow. And then they, they booked him and cast him, and now he's he, he did, I don't know how many seasons they did, a whole bunch. Yeah, but that guy's a, well, got paid, man. He's like doing a lot better than he was doing framing walls, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. It's just the grind. You just got. When I worked with him, he was laying on the ground under under the rain towers. Yeah, <laughs> and he was he was complaining about the rain on him. He was he was he wasn't tough enough, tough enough to get wet, so he got up and said, "No, I'm not doing it." And he walked off the set. Oh like, wow! You know, he's a, yeah. a far shot from the construction days with the boots and working in the rain. Eh? He went Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he, he yeah he softened up quick, bro. <laughs> So you got so you got synopsis coming on to the film festival on November twentieth. Yes, sir. 
right? So is that that's down in uh, Chilliwack or <coughs> Pardon me. Go ahead. Just don't die. Chilliwack um, Independent Film Festival. Okay. November twentieth, and that's their second last one. And then we have Calgary Underground Film Festival, November twenty five to December first, and then that's a wrap on our two year tour mm-hmm. of the festivals. We've uh, done quite well and, and won a lot of awards. And then nice. a- after that, in, I think in early December, we should have an announcement of where it can be uh, found online or uh, whether it's uh, Netflix or Amazon or iTunes, or I'm not sure, but somewhere. Uh, I'm the director, Mike Johnson, he's at Studio 104 Entertainment. Mm. Um, he's the guy in charge of all that. <clears throat> mm. And so it's, uh, is it my cheap, quick plug for him <laughs> but uh it should be it should be i think by early 2021 we should you should have uh, access to it online the okay. film will be at the chilliwack film festival i won't be there i'll okay. be on the i think i'm doing a podcast like this do some question and answer but the film will be there for the for the thing but i won't be there oh okay but the uh yeah yeah the film festival goes all over the world and, and uh, i'm not there but the film is that's cool. It must be pretty cool to have to be part of something yeah, like yeah. that, man. To like, you know, have your legacy so far in your life, so far up to this point in your life, be told that way. Like, you know, what's the feeling that you get when you watch yeah. that film? Um, it's it's very emotional for me to be honest. Um, it's it's. Uh, because you never know. It's like you think you don't care how people look at you or what people think. But it's, it's easier said than done, especially when your face is on a fucking screen mm. and you're in front of the world. Um, it's a bit emotional for me, honestly. Um, and it's, uh, this is a, the film is appropriately titled as a synopsis because it, it's not a long film. It's a short documentary. And it's, it's, uh, it's a tidbit of the whole big scheme of things, right? So. Um, I think it's kind of, it's almost like a, a giant trailer and we'll hopefully we'll find someone that'll want to produce a feature out of it. It's kind of my goal. And so um, synopsis.com, if anyone needs to get a hold of me, they can, they can uh, connect with me through the website and send me a message there. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful that people like it. It's, it's won some awards, so I think somebody liked it, whatever. And it's pretty. It's a bit gritty. It's very brutally honest, which is just mm-hmm. my style. I'm not a. I'm not a bullshit guy. It's like I'll tell it how it is, or I won't say it at all. You know. Yeah. So yeah. it's. Uh, it's it's a uh, it's a feather in my hat, but at the same time, it's like I wish the whole story was there, where mm-hmm. where it's just kind of a snippet. You know. What's it missing? But it's a, but it's a cool snippet. Uh, fuck. <laughs> well, like one thing, if you could add one more thing to That's that pretty, film. pretty open-ended question. Yeah, I know. You don't have to answer all that, but like, what is it? it I mean, I don't want to take away from the film and what's been made on it, right? But, you know, what's an important yeah. thing that, you know, people need to know about your life, you know, that maybe wasn't covered in, in that video? Give um. I don't know. That's a, that's an interesting question. Um, yeah, you know, if other people don't believe in you, then then it's uh, doesn't really matter. You know, if you keep going and keep grinding, then you know, just keep doing you. 
is I don't know I don't know how else better to explain it. it sounds cliche I suppose but um, no but that's real life dude. yeah I had a lot of fucking naysayers and, yeah a lot of naysayers and and uh, you know my my mother especially like you you should stop this you're you're a stupid idiot mm. um, you're a retard you're a pimply face geek you're a loser mm. and when you're beaten down like that emotionally then it's difficult you know. And then so part of, I think part of my success was out of anger against her to prove her wrong. Mm. And I became very good. I was very talented at what I did. I was quite a talent. Um, not to not to brag, but I don't mind to post. I did very well for myself and what I did. But it's a lot of it was, I think, was was bred out of anger for out of that, from being told you couldn't and you were no good, you know? Yeah, and I know we're kind of flip-flopping all over the place, and this won't be the last time we talk. I'm going to really want to talk to you on a regular basis, but I want to ask you something that you said, like, about your no. mom, um, and you can tell me next question if you want, but, you know, do you, did this relationship with your mom have a, a dark effect on you as you grew up, like, in a sense that if your mom, your mom was the first woman you ever knew in your life, you know, and... You know, did she have a negative influence on you with women or with, you know, self-esteem with women or anything growing up? And did you, obviously you got over this. You have a beautiful wife now, right? But, yeah, yeah. No, 100%. 100%. It was, she, she dramatically affected everything and I had no idea until I got older. <clears throat> but I was like a womanizer basically because I didn't respect women. And I didn't even like women for a long time. Mm. And because of the spite and the, and the, the dis, disdain that I had for my mother. Mm. Yeah. And my, it's, it's funny, I have a sister that's three and a half years older that's like a crackhead now. And it's <clears throat> all mental abuse and th mental and physical abuse from my mother. Like, I believe that caused it. Yeah. And my sister's like, even if she was sober, she's still not well, you know? Yeah, it does. It takes it's, it's disheartening. Yeah. yeah, it does. It takes a toll on you. And like, how do you get over all that stuff as you get older? Like, what do you, what do you, what does a guy have to tell himself to, <clears throat> to find success? Yeah, it's a good question, man. That's a Tough, really good eh? question. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it's uh, not something you yeah. have to answer. You just think about it. You're right at the root of you're right at the root of things, man. Yeah. And it's like, what what do you tell yourself? I don't even know. I don't even know, bro. I don't even know. I, I, just, I just live life and uh, keep going. Like, what do yeah. you do? Yeah, I'm the same as you, buddy. I grew up in the same same boat as you. You know what I mean? Like being told a lot of negative things and and growing up with that, right? And and I think you know why I asked you that is because I always just got the fuck it mentality. You know, I just went fuck everything. Yeah. And I said, and I started focusing on me. Pretty much, yeah, yeah, right. And it's and it and people are like, exactly. well, that's exactly. that's selfish or whatever, but it's survival really, and it's growth. Hundred percent selfish, and it's it's self preservation at the same time, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But then you you do come out a pretty good person, it, it, and this is the fucked up part people don't get, like. When you go through that early shit, that trauma in life, you come out to be a really good person. Like you look at people your age who are 48-ish, right? And look yeah, at their lives, buddy. Yeah. 
a lot of people have worse lives than you and they, they started off with a lot, right? Yeah. Right? True enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it is a lot of that fucking mentality. It's like, I don't give a fuck what you think of me. I don't give a fuck, you know. When, once you don't care what your parents think of you anymore, then it's kind of becomes a little more wide open. It's like, I don't give a fuck what anybody thinks of me anymore. I don't, I'm not looking for my parents' approval. Yeah. I don't give a fuck what they think. I'm moving on doing my own thing. And I'm just going to be me and do me and, and uh, ta-da. And I, and I like how I turned out now. When I was a kid, I didn't like myself. Now I'm fucking, now I think I'm fucking, nope, I'm a, I'm a good cat now. Yeah. I treat people, pardon me, I treat people very well. And, uh, and uh, I like to have around, I have fun. It's a, uh, it, I don't know. I, I enjoy life now. And I like to, I like to have, let other people enjoy life with. And, and you married an amazing woman. Yes. Who, where did you meet Val? Where did you meet her? Actually, uh, my, my friend was working for WWE, and he was, got cut from the roster, and he was wrestling in Vancouver. And so me and my other buddy went down to visit him at a wrestling show in Vancouver. Hmm. <clears throat> and uh, she was sitting in the dressing room, and across from me, and we just like glanced and caught eyes. It, that was our, our very first kind of casual meeting. Mm-hmm. And then I ran to, into her at another show. I was doing like a, a little uh, reporter, beyond repair, I called it, uh, interviewing wrestlers, a bunch of my buddies and friends and whatever in the wrestling business, doing a little uh, YouTube show. And then at the next show, I ran into her again, and, and my friend introduced us. and. We exchanged numbers and this kind of went from there. It's awesome. And you and so crazy, you guys are so, both in the same thing. In, in generally in the wrestling business, you'd like you say, I would never date a wrestler yeah. or having to do with a, with anyone in the business, like on a an emotional level. But it just worked out really well for us. You know? That's so cool, man. That's cool. Have you guys uh yeah, yeah. Have you have you guys had between the two of you who's had the most injuries? I probably have had more because I was in it longer, but I, hers might be worse. Oh, like she her, worked. she broke her neck in a match. Oh, yeah. Wow. So um, having a broken, I I broke my neck, but very minimally. Where hers, it was probably worse. Um, but mine were just like for like uh, shards of bone come off. And then caused my arms to go numb and stuff like that. But hers, like her face went numb and her tongue went numb. And uh, so there's like anybody that really does anything in pro wrestling, like spends any real amount of time in the ring. Nobody walks away from that without injuries, man. It's just, you just don't. It's like um, pads and stuff or whether or not, it's, but it's still shit happens, man. It's live theater, but it's an aggressive live theater. And Shit goes wrong, man. It just does. And it's, there's nobody walks away from pro wrestling unscathed that has any time and really does anything in it. So the guys who make it to the top, like, you know, the rocks and the, you know, they're just the top level guys. Like the amount of pain they must be in must be something nobody can really imagine. eh? Like, do you think those guys that have moved on, because you always see the pictures on Twitter and Instagram of like Diamond Dallas Page and 
you know, Lex Luthor, right? Lex yeah. Luthor, he's gone. You know what I mean? Like these guys yeah. have just be melted away to nothing. Yeah, yeah. So how much pain are these guys in by the end of their career? Um, I can't really speak for it. I, I like, obviously it's like, uh, like I said, nobody walks away pain free and depending on your style and how you work and what you've done yeah. and how long you've done it for the, obviously the worse it is. Like even Bret Hart says he's, he's a train wreck yeah. and he never did, he wasn't on a high flyer by any stretch and yeah. he's like, he's crippled as fuck. Um, what's the best? Like Mick Foley or worse, obviously. Oh, Mick, oh yeah. Mick Foley, boy, he must be hard. Yeah, he must be here. Yeah, the, the boys call him the crab, I think, behind backstage because he walks kind of sideways in a, like a crab, you know? Because oh. he's, he's broken. Like, yeah. For me, it's my name on the list for a, for a search for replacements. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're, when you're all jacked up, and you're in the, when you're in your 20s and 30s, you're all jacked up on fucking steroids and cocaine, jumping off the top rope, you don't think shit's going to catch up with you, bro. Mm. And uh, trust me, it will. It really, really does. What? What whether, is whether you're landing on a on a padded floor or not, or a, or a padded human? Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah what or, is, or a shittier yet a pony one. What is the what is the most dangerous wrestling move? What's the most dangerous one? The kids are coming up with so much crazy shit nowadays, but. Obviously, a pile driver is pretty dangerous because you know somebody's <laughs> trusting them to drop you, uh, drop you on your head, and, and impact you um, without. Preferably, you go just barely skim the mat. But if you're like an inch or two off, man, it's like you're getting compressed. It's, uh, wow, that's what happened to Austin when Owen dropped him on his head and broke his neck. Like it's it's easy to break somebody's neck, man. Uh, Anything off the top rope essentially is like potential injury for sure. Wow. I mean, the WWE rings are, are well, they're well, um, you can do, it's like a lot nicer. The independent rings are not. It's kind of like, uh, it's better than landing in a boxing ring on the floor, but it's, it's still, you know, it's wood and fucking and metal, man. And there's a thin layer of pad and some, and some, and some leather on top. Like the crashes, sounds it sounds loud, and it's and but it's it's painful. And like people don't understand if you if you don't lay out your bump and land flat, um, or, or something goes wrong and you get dumped in your head, man. It's like there's not it's not as forgiving as people think. No. And okay, it's, so uh, accumulative accumulative uh, injuries, right? Yeah. So what do you say to the people that say wrestling isn't real? Um, well, it's, it's scripted to the point. It's, it's far more real than people think it's, uh, people have egos. Like if, if I'm wrestling you tonight and you're new and I've been around for 10 years and I'm the veteran and you're going to win tonight, and you're going to beat me with pile driver in four minutes. I'm not going to fucking dig that bro. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to fucking make you work for it. I might rough you up a bit before yeah. that four minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Wrestling is far more real than people think. Um, maybe not as much uh, on the big stage because uh, because you have a big contract and you're getting paid really good money either way. But on an independent, when guys are making $50 or $100 a night and you're going to beat me 
and you're half my size and I have to lay down for you and I have a big fucking ego, bro, wow. then maybe I'm going to fucking knuckle you up a bit. I, you know I, what I, I mean? And people get big fucking egos, incredibly egos for, for no real reason. They're like background people something. Yeah. They're like the background where they star in the film, but really you're, you're fucking background. You're not even going to be seen. Wow. You know what I mean? But they think they're the star. And then, they, but they're twice your size, and they're gonna fucking label you up. It's like fucking have one of these, motherfucker. Tough. It's it's like that. It's got to be. At the least toughest. it used to be in my day. I don't know what it is now, but well, I think it's one of the hardest things in entertainment. Uh, oh yeah. Well, you look at even a guy like Harv. Like, look at what he had to go through to make it. You know, like that guy went. Harvey Gerb. Yeah, yeah. Wow, crazy man! Like he went through a lot just to get there. Like all the rehab he did, like a year and a half of rehab. You know, I think he broke his back. Or something. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's crazy. Well, it's oh, cool. Shit, I don't know. I, I didn't know about that. Yeah. Well, we're gonna catch up on uh, the tent when you come down here. We'll come to the hotel and we'll do more of a talk with you. Right? We'll have more of a just a whatever talk. I just wanted to catch up with you and kind of. Put some uh, puts put something out there. Make sure people know about your uh, the, the movie festival coming up. And doesn't Val ha- doesn't she have a project coming too? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, what's her, what's what's her project coming up? She certainly does. And the problem with that is that she's just signed a contract, and uh, her books have been optioned for the film. They're writing the script is written, and uh, they're casting it now. So, essentially, it's uh, kind of the information is classified at this point. I can't really share anything with you about other than it's in it's in production. It's in the early stages of production. I'm guessing. Um, I, I shouldn't even guess. No, I don't know. I don't know when it'll be ready or be done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But there's she, things are happening. Contracts have been signed, and uh, yeah, awesome, dude. She's in good hands so far. I think. And, yeah, yeah, we're pretty stoked about it. Yeah, yeah I know for a fact, buddy. Like, success is going to come to you guys. You know, your grinders, grinders always make it. It's just inevitable that great things are going to happen for you, buddy. So just keep grinding. You know, remember, life is long. You know, what I mean, you got a long yeah. life still. You're only forty eight, so yeah, lots of time. And I know you're going to. Yeah. Do- I know. I, I just. Yeah, I'm just trying to get my book finished up so I can get it edited and get it up there. So early next year, it should be uh, I should have some stories for the people to read, um, some of the nonsense <laughs> and fun times and, and good times and bad times and all that sort of thing that I've been through in my life. Just a bunch of the stories, like some of the road stories and, and some are just like life stories, whatever. Mm. So I'm, uh, I'm excited to get that finished up and get it out there. Whoever's watching this, I want you to give one little piece <clears throat> of uh, life perspective, some advice that... <clears throat> What would you give them? Life, life perspective for them. Um, be good to people. You don't know what they're going through. Um, live your life. Be positive. Be happy. And enjoy the moment. Take your time. Smell the flowers. And uh, eat some good food. And have good company. And uh, try, to, try, to, try to stay positive even when people are negative towards you. Mm. Great words coming from a champ. Adrian Sin Pringle. Kicking ass wherever he goes. Put your hands up. Put your hands up. Put your hands up. Put your hands up. Put your hands up.